Well, good morning. It's, uh, it's, it's been a great morning so far. The Holy Spirit just moving through this place. And I'll tell you what, one of my favorite things is just to hear God's people singing. If I can just say for a minute, like that just never like gets old to me. Like sitting over there to be able to hear just our voices. It's just an incredible thing to hear the choir of God's people lifting up their voices to him. You guys sounded awesome. Um, we've been uh, talking the last few weeks <clears throat> about the idea of, of therefore and, and this word that is used in the New Testament. And we've been looking at therefore passages in the New Testament where when we see these, this, this word, um, it's, it's always good for us to look at that and go, what's that there for? Because it's an important thing. And so usually what has happened is that there is an issue that is established and then the word therefore comes. And after that, God kind of lays out his plan from there as, as far as what we should do, how we should do it. And it helps us, uh, the, these therefore passages help us in our walk uh, with Jesus because you see a progression there. And so I want to start by asking a question that, that I've been asked often. Um, and it is this, how do I find God's will for my life? I've been asked this question a lot or some version of this question. And I'm sure you're, there's at least a couple, if not all of us, that have asked this question in some way, shape, or form in our life. You may be asking it right now. And it's not bad to be asking it right now. Um, but you know what? This question, rarely are we patient enough uh, to find God's answer for this question because we all want the big flashing sign, right? We all just want the big flashing sign that says this. I love asking kids, um, you know, probably between three and five, if you ask a kid what, what they want to be, like what's, what's, the, what's the goal for their life, if you will, you know, what do they want to be when they, when they grow up kind of thing. You get like the real quick, like definitive answer, astronaut, right? Baseball player, Jedi. You know, you get those things um, and those definitive answers, right? And the thing is, when we ask this question, often we are wanting an answer like that from God. We're wanting that like, here it is. And we, we, we want that just like straight up. No, you need to do this. Exactly. And, and we don't get that answer. And that's why we feel like this is such like a mystery or, or elusive to us. God's will isn't something that's lost or hidden, but we treat it that way. It's not something we necessarily have to figure out in the same way in which we have to figure out if we're going to be an astronaut or a pastor. Um, Paul tells us exactly what to do in the word to find God's will for our, for our life if we are willing truly willing to listen and to hear and to absorb exactly what he's saying. And you, and you can know, you can know God's will for your life, not only mentally, intellectually, but also in, in your experience. If you do a couple of things, a couple of things, and I'm actually going to give you the, the end right off the, right off the bat. And these are the things, give yourself to him and be transformed. Give yourself to him and be transformed. These, these are these are the things. Said differently, surrender to self and surrender of mind. Surrender of self, surrender of mind. 
This is what God is saying. And when these things happen in your life, your purpose and God's will, it's much more clear. So I want to go back to a statement that I've made for a few weeks, and you're going to see it again, and it's this. If you don't control what you think, you'll never control what you do. And so what's controlling what we think? That's a question we should be asking ourselves all the time because the renewing and transformation of our mind, it's one of the most crucial parts to the Christian walk. If your mind is not being transformed by God, if it is not being renewed over and over and over and often, then this elusive question is going to continue to feel that way. It's gonna continue to feel like you can't find it. What you're going to see here, we're going to be in Romans chapter 12 today. Uh, if you do have your Bibles or the Bible app, you can follow along uh, with the notes there. And there's a, I got a lot to get to today, so I hope you're ready. Uh, buckle up. Um, Paul, what he does here is he puts doctrine over duty. Okay, doctrine over duty. So doctrine is our set of beliefs over duty, which is our moral obligation. And we think and act often follow me on this one, that we, that we must not be doing something right. Because when, we, when, when our duty enacts our beliefs, meaning we get it the other way around, right? I have a duty to enact my beliefs. And when that doesn't work out, that's when we get to the place where like, I'm, I'm not doing something right. I haven't been good enough, which is why I don't know God's will for me. I, I, haven't, I haven't checked these boxes or I've been bad over here. And, I'm, and I've not been good enough. And so that's why I can't find God's will for my life. And you might be like, Jay, I, I don't have a works-based faith. I understand what, you know, all of that. But, but, we, but we treat it differently, don't we? We do. We, we say that, but, but we act differently. And when we get these things in the wrong order, what we end up with is a legalistic guilt trip. And that's not what Jesus intended. That's not at all what Jesus intended it to be. As opposed to, I know God and I know who he is, and I, and I know who I am in him because I, I find my identity in him, and therefore, his heart's desire is mine, and his will is my will. And that's the whole message today. That's, that's really the whole thing. Paul knew that. Paul knew that, and that's why he broke it down the way that he did in Romans 12. And you're gonna see that by the time we're done here, and I promise for many of us, this is going to be a freeing, freeing concept for you today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we open your word, Jesus, I pray that your spirit would continue to move. I pray that, that you would help us to not necessarily put everything aside for a few minutes, but, but to, uh, to really filter our life, our choices, the things that, that we do and the way that, that we are in, in terms of our relationship with you, that we would filter that through the scriptures here. And God, that you would show us all something that we need from you today. I, I, I pray, Lord, that you would just hit us all right between the eyes exactly what we need to hear and how. You would challenge us and change us through the truth of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So Romans chapter 12 and I just want to look at the first two verses here for a second. Actually, for a few minutes. So, there's a lot here. Therefore, Paul says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform 
to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So, that, I mean, that, there it all is right, right there. So let's break it down for a second. He says, therefore, right at the beginning of that. So that's our therefore statement. And what he is really saying is in light of the first 11 chapters of Romans, if you haven't read all of Romans, I would encourage you this week to take some time. And it's a lot. So don't just try to like all in one day, but I would encourage you to try to space it out over the course of the week and read it all. Because it talks about the first 11 chapters, talk about how humankind, about our ruin and about our salvation. And so in light of that, and in light of who, who you are in Jesus, he's saying, I'm urging you to make a choice about the way that you live and about the way that you live for him and the way that you serve him, especially in light of what God has done for us. And then you will find God's perfect will for your life. You will be in God's will for your life. So let's start here. Personal sacrifice is the foundation of living for Jesus. This is really one of the first things we get out of, out of these two verses, is that personal sacrifice is the foundation of living for Jesus. You cannot follow Jesus without having personal sacrifice. It just doesn't work. Because if, quite frankly, if you haven't, then I would argue as to whether you are living for Jesus. There has had to be some personal sacrifice in some way, shape, or form. Jesus modeled this. And it's the foundation of, of living for followers of Jesus. And, and the, the giving of the entire person, the giving of all that you are, connects every aspect of the believer to the sacrifice that's being made. And God does not want a dead human sacrifice. I want you to notice, he says, living sacrifice. He wants a living and lively sacrifice. And too often, we act as though we owe God something, or that he wants something from us, and, and that's a misunderstanding of doctrine, and that ends up being a guilt trip. He doesn't want something from us, he wants us. There's a difference. He doesn't want, some, he doesn't want a specific thing from you, he wants you, he wants all of you. And sometimes that means after having all of you, that there is a thing that then follows that or an aspect of your life that follows that. But, but make no mistake, he doesn't just want pieces and parts, he wants all of you. And that's why it's a living sacrifice. It's a living sacrifice. Now a living sacrifice, if we're gonna define that, let's see what that, what that really means. It means that all that we do, all that we do is an offering to the Lord. That, that's a simple way to say it. We put aside ourselves and we give everything to him. So every aspect of everything that you do, but, but not just your work, not just like what you do for a living necessarily, or, or what you do, but you, you, all of you. A sacrifice back in, you know, first century and all of that was, was to be holy and was to be without blemish. And, and before it was brought to the altar, they had to make sure that this was a, this was a perfect spotless lamb, Right? But it, but it was alive. And so as we present our bodies 
and ourselves to the Lord as a living sacrifice. God makes our life holy by burning away through the sacrifice of that, through burning away the impurities and transforming us. Think about it this way. Here's the problem with a, with a, a sacrifice that's alive. All right, here's what I mean by that. A sacrifice that's alive, it's alive and squirming and moving around, okay? And it will have a tendency to climb off of the altar on a regular basis. I don't know about you, but I squirm and escape all the time. And I'm sure you do too. As a living sacrifice and flawed human beings, that's what we're gonna do. And so we need to continually return to the altar. We need to make the decision to return to the altar, to die daily, as it says uh, elsewhere in, in, in the New Testament, right? And continually return to the altar and give our lives to him daily. You know, saying, okay, Lord, again, I, I give you my life. I am tired of trying to figure it out. I'm, trying, I'm, I'm tired of trying to figure out where I should go and how I should do it or what I should be. I've messed up over and over and over again. And I've tried my own way and it's been a disaster. So I give up and I surrender my life to you. And that idea, that mentality, your own words, those were mine. That, that is the mentality that we need to have as we approach God from a place of being a living sacrifice. And that's our daily, maybe hourly, maybe minute by minute prayer. So that's, that's the first part, is giving yourself to him as a living sacrifice. And then it's being transformed to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, by the renewing of your mind, right? So am I thinking and processing life from a godly and biblical perspective? That's a hard thing to do. We talked last week about taking every thought captive. That's a hard thing to do, right? Am I thinking and processing life from a godly and biblical perspective? And so how do we do that? How do we let God transform and renew our minds? Well, you're doing it now because we're in the word of God and that's how we do it, through the word of God. It's, it's my way of thinking as opposed to, to God's. My way of thinking as opposed to God's. And so changing the way we think, changing the way we think, that, that begins, yes, through God's word, but there's also an attitude that we need to have. And that attitude is a place of humility. And the way I like to define humility, biblical humility, is very simply this, seeing God. How we see God. And we more clearly see God by spending time with him in prayer and in his word. And as we do, and we realize the awe that we are in of our creator, that brings us to a place of humility and that is a constant renewing of our mind. And see, then, then the behaviors and customs of this world that it talks about, they won't creep in as much. You know why? Because there won't be as much room to conform to those things. That has a really interesting context right now in the world in which we live because everything in our world is about conforming as opposed to transforming, which is what God does. God transforms us. But honestly, the world's ways, the world's ways are, are never something that we should conform to. And so let me ask, are you a conformer or are you a transformer? And I don't mean like an Autobot or a Decepticon, so let's just get that out of the way, right? 
Because being a transformer, not a conformer, is what God wants from us because we are living for eternity. The word transformed that's used here um, has nothing to do with Optimus Prime. It actually has to do with where we got the original word to do with uh, metamorphosis. The word metamorphosis that we have in English comes from the original word that was used here for transformed. And it was only used two other times in the New Testament. One on the Mount of Transfiguration, where Jesus was transfigured into his glorified body in front of a couple of the disciples in that moment. And then the other one in 2 Corinthians 3.18, Paul writes about that. And he's talking about what happens to us when we see the Lord. So there it is again. Both have to do with the presence of God and his holiness. So instead of going conformer, transformer, let me, let me use this analogy instead. Are you a thermometer or are you a thermostat? This is actually a really good leadership principle as well. Because if you're a thermometer, if you're a thermometer, you're just checking the temperature. You're just checking the temperature there. Thermometers adjust to the temperature of the room or for us, adjust to culture. But you're always frustrated. You're always frustrated because by the time you take the temperature and you figure out what is hot, the culture has already moved on. The thermostat, the thermostat sets the temperature. So set the temperature based on God's word and leave it. Be the thermostat. Be the thermostat in your sphere of influence, but first of all, be the thermostat for yourself. See, the best way to change our behaviors, because we focus on, on behaviors a ton, the best way to change those is to change our heart by changing the way we think. The behaviors will follow. And a big way to help do that is to spend time with him daily, which will renew our mind and transform you. And you will be, it will be not nearly as easy to conform to the world. That's thermostat versus thermometer. We've been assigned the task of living as God intends as followers of Christ. And so as we use our lives as an example of what it means to submit to the authority of God, to submit to the authority of Jesus, and then, and then we see his will in and through us in that moment and in those times. Okay, so let's bring this all back around. We're surrendered to him as a living sacrifice because we're only two verses in, y'all. We're being transformed by him and we're renewing our mind daily. Now what? So am I going to get a big sign from God? Is God going to text me and say, do this? Sit tight and let's keep reading here. All right, verses three through eight. It says, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. So if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. This is a great picture of the intention of the church. 
And you know what else it does? It hits the comparison game that we all play square in the face. Hits it square in the face. Part of the problem with the will of God question, because when you compare, you lose every time. And the, the problem with the will of God question is that we're comparing ourselves to others when it comes to the will of God in our life and saying, well, I've seen this in that person, so why haven't I seen that in myself? That must mean I'm not good enough. And we play that compare game. And what this is saying is that the church is a unified whole, but distinct in individual members. All the pieces, parts matter and all the gifts matter. See, the body of Christ has unity, not uniformity. And that's an awesome thing. I'm glad that we don't have uniformity. I'm glad that we have unity. I'm glad that each and every one of us are built different, right? And Jesus is our common ground. Jesus is our common ground. Seeing and experiencing God's will in your life and in mine is the common ground of Jesus, but it doesn't always look the same. And just because I'm up here preaching and you're not doesn't mean that his will is greater for me than it is for you. Just because you do what you do and I do something different doesn't, doesn't mean that, the, that there's a better or worse here. And we play that game. None of us have, have any basis for pride or superiority of ourselves over others. This is what I'm called to do. And so that's cool, but you're called to do some things that make just as big a difference in the kingdom of God. No doubt. Unity should never be prompted at the expense of individuality. And individuality should never diminish the church's essential of unity in Christ. I hope you understand that. See, the hand hurting, this hand hurting, this hand is still the body hurting the body. That's the body hurting the body. So let's not hurt our own body. Let's remember that each part of the body of Christ has been uniquely designed with a specific part to play in the story of God. Yes, you, your specific talent, your specific gifting, your specific spiritual gift, which we're gonna talk about here in a second. You have been built that way to make an impact in the kingdom of God like no one else can, only you. And that's awesome. And the sooner you own that, and understand that, the more you'll understand the will of God. Because as we become open to the spirit of God, as we grow in him, as we grow in our relationship with him, and he adds and gives gifts and, and more gifts and, and things that are to be used for the kingdom. And they're not given on a basis of being worthy enough or good enough or, or whatever, because God chooses to give them to you. That's why he gives them to you. Not because you deserve it or earned it, it's because he's chosen to give it to you to be able to be used. But we find we're, we're people and we're sinful and so we find a way to be proud and, and puff up ourselves instead of giving glory to God and walking in humility and walking humbly as we should. And these, this list of, of spiritual gifts that Paul gets, gives here, you could really put them into two groups. One would be that they help explain the word of God they explain the word of God to others. And the other is that they expand the work of Jesus. So they explain the word of God and they expand the work of Christ. And all of them, all of them have to do with our role in the kingdom. And all of them go back to a heart of sharing Jesus with other people. It's called evangelism. 
sharing Jesus with those around us, which is the will of God. I can tell you this for sure. The will of God for your life and for mine and for every person who is a follower of Jesus is to share the good news of Jesus. That is part of the will of God for your life. But however you're wired, whatever your gifts are, whatever gifts God has given you, this is one thing that I love at the end of this. It says, do it cheerfully. Do it cheerfully. Or said differently, go all in for Jesus. Once you know and understand how God's wired you, discovering how you're shaped is an awesome thing. And when you do, you will see the desires of your heart blossom in ways that you never thought of. And so if you don't know what your spiritual gifts are, I'd be willing to bet that there's a good majority of us that if I asked you right now, what are your top couple spiritual gifts? You wouldn't know. Well, I've got a good way for you to find out. We've got a spiritual gift survey on our website right here at connectchurch.xyz gifts. You can go there and find out. And this isn't a promo for the website. This is to help you grow in your walk with Jesus. It's just a, a nice little tool to help us do that. That's what everything is for. And so jump on the website. If you've never taken a spiritual gift survey, I can't encourage you enough to jump on the website and do it so that you can understand the way God built you. And when you find your gifts and when you see the way that God built you and develop it and let it function and when, you, and, and when you're functioning in your gifts and, and, and you see other people functioning and moving forward in their gifts, you realize, you realize that you're maybe in God's will all along and what you're doing. You know, we might say, I'm, I'm going to church to worship God. And that's awesome. I'm glad you did. I'm glad you're here today with us. I'm glad you're watching online. That you're here to worship God. And yes, we are. Absolutely. But we should also be able to say, tomorrow, I'm going to the office to worship God. I'm going to the shop to worship God. I'm going to school when you all go back to school. And the kids are like, Ugh. but you're going to school to worship God, right? going to the garage. I'm going to the garden. I'm going on a hike to worship God. Everything that we do, I'm going on a run to worship God. For those of you that are jumping in to run for God, that's awesome. But also, we're worshiping God in all that we do. We realize that we're in God's will all along. And so if your calling is to, let's say, for example, make cups of coffee here at the church on Sunday mornings in the cafe, that's awesome. That needs to be done with energy and with care and cheerfully done. And Vicki and the team back there, they do an awesome job at doing exactly that. If it's to run the soundboard, awesome. Do it with all that you can and all that you do. And they are. And y'all, maybe you haven't. You've seen Dan back there jumping around. Like, he's doing his thing. He's awesome in, in that. And Ben does a great job. And, and all the different people that are member of, members of our tech team, absolutely doing it cheerfully. If it's to greet do it cheerfully. If, if we had, and we don't, but if we had people at the door that when you walked in were like, welcome to Connect Church. Like, am I? You know, but we don't. At least I hope we don't. And if we did today, please tell me. Because that's, no. Um, but, right? So we do all that we do cheerfully. If it's making sets for VBS, if it's whatever that is, if it's helping tonight with VBS, we got 90 plus kids registered for VBS so far. That's an awesome thing. But I want you to notice the, the command to cheerfulness that is in here because nothing undermines Christian work so instantly like a sour face. It really does. All you will end up doing 
in your life when you are a living sacrifice by utilizing your gifts, being transformed by the renewing of your mind, all you do will end up being in God's will. I hope you're seeing where I'm going with this because really right at the beginning, the question that I asked, how do I find God's will for my life? I hope you're seeing it's actually the wrong question. It's actually not really the right question to ask. A better question, it's not a bad question, but there's a better question. Can the world see Jesus through me? That's actually a better question. Because if the world can see Jesus through you, then you are in God's will for your life, wherever you are planted. When and if people can see that, you are centered and in the center of God's will. Let me put it this way. My, my son, Will, he's 10. If I brought him into the parking lot and stood him there and he said, Dad, how do I get to the kids' area? Now, he knows, but let's pretend he didn't, right? And I could say, well, you got to walk through the first two doors. And then when you get there, you take a left and you go all the way down that hallway. And then there's the bathroom. So pass the bathroom, keep going past the bathroom, go into the cafe. And then when you go into the cafe to your left, there's a room that's got green walls and that's where you need to go. And I could explain all of that to him perfectly fine and that's great. Or as his father, I could pick him up, I could put him on my shoulders and I could carry him to the room. And I can take him on the journey as his father and he's gonna squirm and he might fall and I'll be there to pick him up and continue taking him exactly where he needs to go and the best way for him to get there. And I would do that because I love him so much. I would do that for any of my kids. He's just the only one I could carry because he's 10. <laughs> do you know what? It's an awesome thing when the light goes on and you realize in your spiritual understanding of God that you don't need to get directions. You don't need to get directions from the Lord in the way in which you're thinking to find his will. You know what you need to do? You need to climb on his shoulders and you need to let him lead the way. And as he leads, the peace of Christ is gonna guide you. The peace of Christ is gonna direct you because your heart is lined up with his and the desires of your heart will be his. And you can follow your heart because then it's, it's his heart. The Bible says the heart is wicked and uh, you know, above all things, who can know it? So no, don't follow your worldly heart. But when your heart is transformed and changed by God, then yeah, you can follow your godly heart. So if your godly heart is saying that my heart's desire is to go on a hike, then go for it because that is in the will of God. If it is saying to go on the next missions trip, then go for it because that is in the will of God. You might be looking at, at the team that's going to Guatemala here in a few weeks and going, man, that's something I think God's calling me to be a part of the next time they do it. Sweet, I want you on the team. Let's do it. But maybe your heart's desire is to go for a, a job or something along those lines. And if you are transforming your heart to the will of God and God has put that on your heart, then it is God's will for your life and so follow it. But be ready for him to close the door if it's not because you're a sinner and you're not always gonna make the right decisions. So be ready for the door to close because he opens and closes doors that no one else can open or close according to Revelation 3. And then that is the will of God. Sometimes the will of God is no. 
Sometimes we need to be thankful for the times that God just says no. Here's the thing I've learned. When you're on his shoulders and you're letting him lead the way, <coughs> you will have desires in your heart that are his will for your life. There is no big flashing sign. We want the big flashing sign. We want the big flashing sign that says, definitely go this way. Here it is. I'm telling you what, if there is anything I have learned about God over the last four plus years in ministry as a lead pastor, it is this. This is something that God has shown me in so many ways. There is the journey that he is leading you on. And he will put the puzzle pieces together in front of you and show you his will for your life that you are probably already camped out in. <coughs> Excuse me. If you are seeking him and letting him transform you and you're renewing your mind. And the sooner you understand that, the sooner you get that, the more content you're going to be and the more driven you're going to be for the world to see Jesus through you because he is the way. He is the way. Not your way, his way. He is the way. So stay on the shoulders of the one who says, I am the way. Because it's not so much a plan that he gives you as it is who he is for you. He is God's will. Cling to him. Give yourself to him. Turn everything over to him. Keep your mind on him and you will end up right where you are supposed to be in every way because he is the way. So let me wrap it up with these last couple verses in Romans where Paul just kind of brings it all together. Excuse me for the coffin. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. This is the blueprint for how the church should act and who we should be when his will is flowing through us. Who we are is so much more important to the Lord than what we do. Who you are is so much more important than, than what you do. The Lord's not interested in credentials. He's interested in character. Who we are will dictate and inform what we do and how we do it, which amounts to his will being done in us and through us in every situation. So we have to take seriously the task of being a living sacrifice and allowing transformation to happen in the most obvious way. The most obvious way of showing this change is in the way in which we treat others and the way in which we serve, especially within the body of Christ. God has given us new life in Christ and we should live our lives from a place that celebrates the transformation in our life and then calls others to it. So my connection point for all of this is therefore the world sees Jesus through you. Because of all of this, because of the, the transformation that's happening, because of you being a living sacrifice and God transforming and renewing your mind, the world sees Jesus through you. Therefore, you are in the will of God wherever you are. Paul is calling believers to live their lives in such a way that God's transforming power is going to be clear to everyone. 
And that is the will of God. And being in God's will, it's not a thing that you do. It's his way to be. So if you're looking for a checkoff list, you're not going to find it. It's not, it's not a thing to do. It's his way to be. And you'll be in his will because everything you do as his child, everything you do as his child, every way that you are wired and every way that you are gifted is his will. Every way that you are wired and every way that you are gifted is his will. Are you developing it and letting him transform you in that way so that the world can see Jesus through you? Will you bow your heads with me? You know, we got kids coming to VBS tonight and this week. And I pray that they see Jesus through us. That their families see Jesus through us. For nothing more than the glory of God. His will for your life might be to be a part of EBS tonight, but it, but it might be something else. I do know that his will for your life was to be here right now. And you might be thinking that whole prayer thing that I talked about earlier about how you've tried your own way and you've done it, you've tried this and you've tried that and nothing seems to be, to be working. Let me ask you if you've ever tried God's way. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, today might be the day that you put your will aside and listen to the will of God. God created you. He loves you so much and he wants to have a relationship with you. And maybe today is the day that you get that right with him. Our sin is what keeps us separated from him. And there's nothing you can do to remove the sin in your life on your own. That's what Jesus came to do. He paid the price for you and for me so that you could have eternal life and you could have it freely by just putting your trust in him. And if, if you've never made that decision, if that's something that, that maybe you want to know a little bit more about, I'd love to talk to you today. I'd love to pray with you. We've got people in yellow lanyards that are sprinkled throughout. Got a couple up here. You can come to the orange wall. You can even just come forward right now if you need to pray. I know somebody would, would just jump right up with you because we've got a few people in here that would love to do that. If you're not sure that you're going to be with Jesus in heaven one day, I, I can tell you this, that's what he wants for you. And we can know for sure, you can know for sure before you walk out of here. Father, I love you. I thank you so much for your love for us. I thank you for the truth of your word. And I thank you that, that you want to transform us. Lord, I thank you that you don't leave us in our sin, that you gave us a way through your sacrifice on the cross. Lord, you sacrificed everything. Father, help us to be a living sacrifice for you. I pray that your word would transform each and every one of us every single day. Lord, that we would set the thermostat based on the truth of your word. Lord, if there is one here that doesn't know you as Savior, I pray that today might be the day. Today might be the day that they find you and that, and that they realize that your will was to bring them here today or to turn on the live stream. Holy Spirit, I pray you would just continue to move through this place. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat>